Hello and welcome to this latest podcast on uh, Right for Your Life. Big welcome to uh, Manuela Boyle. Good evening, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about compulsion, the compulsion to write specifically. And um, I posted that we were going to be talking about this on Twitter and a couple of people replied saying that they were intrigued and interested. So hopefully we'll live up to that intrigue. I hope so. Um, so it was me that it was me that suggested this topic, and I shall tell you why. I'm not really the type of writer who feels compelled to write. Now that sounds ridiculous, I know, considering that it's my job, and I've written a novel, and I've pretty much based the majority of my my non-personal life around writing in some way or another. But I've never really felt that compulsion to, to write. And I think that it's perhaps tied in with something I've talked about on the blog before about not really believing in the muse. I kind of, I'm quite deliberate. I choose when I write. And um, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I have some kind of, some kind of spirit that sits above me and tells me to have ideas or helps me have ideas. And I wonder if that's part of the reason I don't feel this compulsion. But what it is, I'm quite deliberate about my choices when I, when I write, and that's probably because I have to fit it around my uh, fit it around my job and and I guess editing right for your life. So I guess I kind of write for a reason. But for the first time in um, in in my life, I feel compelled to write. Um, and before I sort of tell you why, um, I'll, um, and at the risk of not, not wanting, well, and not wanting to sort of spend the next 10 minutes talking on my own, I'll just um, ask you to come in there, Manuela, and ask you whether your opinions on, on, on compulsion to, uh, the compulsion to write in general, whether it's something that you, uh, in inverted commas, suffer from. Well, Ian, my name is Manuela, and I, um, it's, Yes, it's a really interesting topic. When you said that that's what you wanted to talk about uh, tonight, I was really excited, actually, um, because I think it's a wide spectrum, the reasons that sort of people um, have to write, and, and some people feel that they absolutely need to write, and I also think it's a spectrum that changes depending on what happens, ha what's happening in your life. I, like you, don't feel that that compulsion to write myself, but in saying that, I do write every day. I'm compelled to write for my, in my job. So if I didn't have that, I might feel differently, I suppose. But I think that, sort of, um, I mean, I've read plenty of, of writers and artists and musicians that sort of say that, that for them, producing their art is like breathing. They absolutely have to do it. It's, you know, it's absolutely fundamental to their existence. And I've never really felt like that. However, at certain times in my life, which I... You know, may share some of in a, in a little moment or two. I have also felt that strong, overwhelming desire to 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 write that that it's something that you have to do with an experience that you that you've gone through. It's not just a kind of therapy thing. That whole sort of writing is therapy. It's more than that. It's it's actually sort of trying to make sense of it, wanting to share share it, and sort of um, transforming it into something else, perhaps part of the part of that sort of. And making sense process really, and um, that if you transform it into something else, then that's you, you're sort of sharing that story and 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 you're dealing with it somehow. And you've set me up beautifully there, and we haven't even talked about this, but that's pretty much what's uh, happened to me, I think. And it and, and again, this what I'm about to say is is something that I've alluded to on the blog before. I've kind of written about it a little bit, and you certainly know the story because um, I do. We're, we're actual real life pals as well as yeah. um, as well as uh, co-hosts. But yeah, my last year, my uh, my auntie, she she died after a very short battle with cancer, and it was all a huge mm. shock and a huge surprise for everyone. 
And and and, and at the time, um, it, it was kind of odd because I was doing some edits to my novel, and of course my novel is, um, I mean, she, she died of a, a brain tumor, effectively, but. Um, uh, my novel is about a, a person, a woman who happens to be, who's uh, who's had a stroke. I mean, the novel is essentially based around a stroke and looking after someone who's had a stroke. So I was, um, while all this was happening in my real life to my auntie, um, I, I was I was doing these edits to my novel and actually writing about pretty much the same symptoms. And it was a very, very curious. It was it was it was very difficult. It was very odd. Mm. My the part of my novel sort of is about religion in one way or another. I mean, it's not a huge it's not it's not um, a huge part of it, but it, it's something I touch on quite a lot. And my auntie happened to be extremely religious. There were lots of strange parallels that went on at that time. But even then, when that was happening. I didn't feel compelled to write about uh, my auntie's illness, and um, and and when I got to the the and, and just shortly after she she died, I kind of finished my novel and sent it back to my agent at a similar sort of time, and um, and I actually wrote on the blog, and I and I'm just I should have had it on my screen. I shall just be with you in a second, but I wrote a blog post on Write for Your Life. Some of you may have read it, uh, called Forget Your Distress and Focus on Your Writing. And I talked about this a little bit. I didn't go into a huge amount of detail about what was going on in my in my own life, but it, I was effectively uh, recommending that people uh, try to not worry about anything that's going on in your, in your own life and focus on the writing. But I also said that I included a paragraph in the novel when I was doing these edits, and and I, and, and in doing so, it, it was it helped me deal with what was going on with my auntie. And um, it was just a very short paragraph, and and what I wrote on Write for Your Life. In fact, I'll read. It. Would you mind if I read that paragraph? Ian, go on, read it. <laughs> so this is right. This is towards the end of the novel, and um, it was something that I that wasn't in there uh, uh, before my auntie got ill, um, but it was something I wrote afterwards. And it's going to sound like it was intended it, that, that those two things really do match up, but they didn't. What I, just like As I've just described, what I, what I wrote for the novel was actually perfectly in line what, with what was in the novel anyway. Anyway, so... Get on with it. Come yeah, on. get on with it. So, Read it. Uh, this is a, a passage. I need, to do, I need to sort of inhale and breathe. <sighs> That's my uh, preparation for reading this extract, a very serious extract from my, from my book. I open the box by pushing one end, take out a match and strike it. There is a spark and a flicker of life. Then it settles, glows amber and red in my fingers. I pause to think of Georgina. I picture her in hospital, dying in a care home, and hope that God intervenes. And I wrote after that, that's the end of the extract, I wrote after that, Beautiful. In my, thank you very much, and, and um, in the blog post I'd put, and that's it. It's all I needed. So as far as I was concerned, that me adding that paragraph to my novel who was had dealt with this thing that was going on in my personal life. However, here I am, well, what, nine or ten months down the line, and all of a sudden I feel complete compulsion to write about what happened to my auntie. Why do you think that is? Why well, do you think it is? you talked about therapy, and, and maybe there is, maybe that does play a part in it. Maybe I do feel like I've got to do it in order to deal with it but I actually think the main reason is that I feel like that the, the process needed what happened to her the process of her going from perfectly healthy to not with us in the space of about three months mm -hmm. I feel like it needs documenting I feel like yes. I, want, I feel like I want to document it I mean she was she was a genuinely wonderful person I mean I would say everyone kind of said 
I mean, it's a cliche, but everyone kind of said that about her. She was, mm. she was very unique. But I just feel like, and she, you know, she showed courage and all these things that I'm sure most people do when they're when they're in that position. But I just, for, for me, I feel like I want to document the process. And when I say that I want to write about it, that doesn't mean I want to sort of write it and keep it to myself. My natural instincts, and I think this this comes back to me not feeling compelled to write for you know I'm quite deliberate when mm. I when I when I write about things I kind of want to write it in in as something that might get published so it might be I might write it as a short collection of stories or it might even become part of a novel or something like that I don't or a novella. I, what, don't forget the, the humble novella for goodness sake absolutely the short novel <laughs> indeed oh there's always appealed to me the novella Indeed, indeed. Well, me too, actually. Much easier and quicker. So they say that's probably not true. <laughs> but it's but it's strange how all of a sudden, out of nowhere, having spent my entire writing life not feeling compelled to write, that I suddenly do. So anyway, I've talked for a good seven or eight minutes there on my own. I apologise. Well, but that's really interesting that, that, you know, that sort of compulsion, a higher compulsion, if you don't feel it constantly, that it can obviously be triggered by a, an important, a major event in your life, be it traumatic or, or positive, that, that actually when there's a huge life change, that you get a compulsion, that your subject presents itself and really it won't go away. You have to deal with it. And that's kind of sounds like what you are what you're describing I mean I know that sort of big things that have happened in my life that certainly have coincided with times with times that I've been most productive in terms of my writing certainly and kind of bereavement I suffered a sort of elderly relative a couple of years ago that was something I, I absolutely had to write about and it was a really sensitive subject as of course death is um, but for me there, I had there was nothing other for me to do than than write about it and it was the one of the pieces of writing that I'm sort of most proud of and a short story as well which is not a form that I tend to sort of gravitate towards normally I'm much more sort of write poems as you know um so I do think it's something temporal I think it's something that can be triggered but I do think that there are people out there as well that that do feel that compulsion to write that have to write all the time what I'm interested in is sort of whether the quality of that writing is always really, really good or whether it's, you know, something that you that you do and some of it's really good and some of the rest of it is practice. And that's what hopefully our uh, our dear listeners will, will tell us about on the blog, of course, in the comments, the compulsion that, that you may feel to write, I think. Yeah, and, and and it's and it's true. A lot of people do. I've always found it quite difficult to 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 understand. But then again, I guess I guess I've always in in many ways i think because i did uh, did my masters and then i was always going to be writing my novel it was all did you hear that that was the cat that was the cat yeah sorry about that the cat sort of made its way in and and uh trampled on the keyboard anyway as i was saying some people uh, I, I think because i've always i've always seen it almost as a job i've kind of i've treated it that way because it's helped me it's helped me get through it I haven't needed that compulsion because I've always treated my writing as something that I just do. It's just something that mm. I do and I make choices about when I can do that based around other parts of my life, if that makes sense. But but it is a bit similar, I think, to kind of what you were saying earlier about the muse and what you sort of talked about before about this idea of having a muse because it is the sense that the subject presents itself and you've got to do something with it. And what's what I'm interested in finding out from my listeners is whether some of you feel that you've got that all the time, that, you, that your muse is with you and you feel the times when she deserts you, whether you've always got pressing subjects to write about and you always feel that you've got lots of material or whether it's much more sort of ad hoc than that, actually. And this compulsion 
I mean, compulsion suggests something that that is there all the time. I think it suggests a condition that you can't escape. Mm. But I think what we are saying in our experience, we find is more. It's much more. It's it's triggered. It's occasional, um, and it's not something that's sort of pulsing all the time. But of course people's experiences will be different and yes that's what we want to hear about absolutely and i think just just to sort of to close this compulsion discussion i think one of the things I, I i i really believe and want to say is that just because you might not feel compelled to write all the time doesn't mean that you're you're i don't know not a writer it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be writing i think that there's a a myth that uh only uh that all writers in order to be a writer you have to be just constantly writing one but two like you have to feel like you constantly need to write or that you want to write and I just don't think that's the case especially especially when when you know it's it's very easy for in my opinion it's very this is a different subject completely but it's very easy for someone who's a published author got five books to their name and it, it's their living to say a good a writer writes all the time and a writer will be compelled to write but if you've got a mortgage and to, to pay and kids to look after that's not always the case I mean I've got, no, I've got no excuse I've got neither of those things but that's a, <laughs> that's a different matter but um, yeah, and, and that's, again, is another definition of compulsion. And what I was thinking about earlier when I was thinking about, you know, what we talk about, um, which is some people are compelled to write because that's how they earn their living. And that's a different, that's not a psychological compulsion. It's a sort of practical thing. And on that note, here's my little sort of end thought, but which is I actually found out earlier that there is um, a, a, an official name for um, a compulsion to write, which is hypergraphia, which is not quite a disorder, but it's something akin to it. And what hypergraphia is, is an overwhelming urge to write. It's often sort of occurs in, in people who have suffered from schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or mania and dementia. Um, but some of its kind of more, more famous sufferers included um, Vincent van Gogh, um, Dostoevsky, um, and Lewis Carroll. And yes, this I did find this out on Wikipedia and you can go and sort of, if you type in hypergraphy and have a look, you can read a bit more about it. Um, and I just thought that was that was really interesting, actually. That is very interesting and wonderful research as well. <laughs> much, more, <laughs> much more research than I did, so I'm very impressed. Okay. And can I just, just sorry. No, just no. You one go on. last thing. You know, you've, you've had your airtime, my time now. Absolutely. Uh, only joking. But um, I... The only time I suppose when I think I experienced something akin to hypergraphia is once when I was sort of um, suffering a short but not serious illness um, and was taking steroids. And while I was on these steroids, well, my word, every morning they woke me up and I can safely say that what I was suffering from was hypergraphia because when I, as soon as I woke up, I had to put pen to paper and I wrote some of what I thought was the most accomplished poetry I've ever written in my life. And that, my friends, I think was totally down to the fact that I was taking these steroids not not an approach I'm advocating come on don't get me wrong but that is the sort of closest I've come to hypergraphia and that's that's my little personal confession for the evening and what better way to end the discussion but on a confession so we shall move on to our favorite things for this week um my favorite thing I'm going to keep this quick because we've already been talking for 20 odd minutes but my favorite thing uh was the launch of the iPad 2. Not just the launch of the iPad 2, but also the news that Random House are now on board with the iBook Store. Uh, they were the last major publisher to uh, to make their books available in the store, and and I think that these two pieces of news together will actually 
help with the rise of e-reading and uh, and and e-books and what have you because um, I've got an iPad I don't have a Kindle <laughs> but I've used one and the Kindles are fantastic and I don't and I've written about this before I don't feel like the Kindle and the iPad are particularly competing just because of the price and the Kindle is much 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 better for reading books on and um, that's all perfectly true however the biggest problem with the iPad for me was is the weight of it it's very difficult to sit and 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 read a book for any length of time on the iPad because it's quite heavy. But these new thinner, lighter iPads um, should really um, should really attract more readers, I think. And of course, yes, with Random House getting on board as well, that'll help too. So um, iPad two, fantastic for techies and uh, good news for readers too, I think. So that's my favourite thing. What's yours? That was a great little um, sort of combination there of, uh, of two two happy events. I it's, like al- that. it's almost like they planned it, isn't it, together, the pair? <laughs> hmm, could be something in that. Uh, mine is a bit of a sort of redux from my last favourite thing that I had uh, the other week, which was around World Book Night. Um, uh, this week, it's, it's also to do with World Book Night in a way, but... Um, it was really sort of the coverage there was uh, on BBC Two on Saturday night of World Book Night and the sort of live link-ups they had to different events in different cities across the UK. I thought it was, and in fact they had more than that because they had um, sort of several programmes on about about literature, about reading, and I just thought what a refreshing change to see such kind of high-quality arts programming on the television on a Saturday night. Um, dedicated to reading sort of really interesting topics um sue perkins was doing it did a program about um sort of popular fiction which is really interesting sort of she admitted that it wasn't the sort of fiction that she liked but it was she was totally intrigued as to why this kind of sold sold you know was on the bestseller list and sort of met all the kind of um airport novelists as you might call them uh to find out more about you know their how they they wrote and how they, the publishing and sort of literary industry viewed them. So that was really interesting. And another sort of really good programme that I believe is still on the iPlayer that I'd recommend um, for you British-based peeps anyway is um, a culture, culture show special called New Novelist, 12 of the Best. Um, and what that nice. was, was um, yeah, it was it's really worth watching actually. Um, it was basically, as the name suggests, a kind of... Um, presentation of the sort of 12 hotshot novelists um, in Britain today of different ages um, that was sort of put together by a kind of fairly glittering literary panel and selected and it was in the tradition of of Granta who have sort of uh, over the years have chosen their um, top 10 or top 12 um, young British novelists Um, they've seemed to have stopped doing that now though I think the last one was Ooh, a few years ago with an included sort of people like Zadie Smith um, and so this was kind of like the Culture Show's version of it and it's really worth watching. The interesting thing about that I think was that all the novels um, sort of did interesting things with form and narrative in particular in a way that would have been different from say 20, 30 years ago. Um, one of the reasons that the panel put that down to was actually the fact that um, people are attending creative writing uh, courses now mm. and so that sort of um, experimentation with the literary form is being taught so that was a sort of I know that's been a very long favorite thing but I think I had a lot to get off my chest <laughs> absolutely it's been quite so... a long podcast but hopefully people will have stuck with us and, uh, and found something useful in all of that indeed 
It's been good. It is. So um, we can call it a day there, I think. And um, we shall speak to you in a fortnight, all being well. Thank you very much for listening. Ooh, one last thing. And you, if you really have got this far, then, um, then I'll be terribly impressed. And uh, thank you very much. But it turns out, I didn't realise this, but it turns out if people actually re- review um, in iTunes your podcast, then that's what actually lifts it up the charts and, and makes it um, gives people more chance of actually finding it via iTunes as opposed to just through the website. Who'd have known? So I implore everyone who listens to this podcast, however many of you there are, to get on over to iTunes and leave a review and um, and tell the world... Well, tell the world what you think, but if, it's, if, if you don't think it's very good, then don't bother with any of this at all. But if you think it's good, then please do say so, and it, apparently it will really it'll help boost its, uh, its cyber ratings, whatever, they, whatever sort of scale they use. And, and bl- one, no, go sorry, on. one important thing, what should someone search for on iTunes to find this podcast? Uh, just write for your life. Okay, great. Yeah, and it should, search it should for take that. you there. Search right you know what you life. need to do. You know what you need to do. You do absolutely. So uh, get cracking right now, and that's it. We shall uh, speak to you next time. Bye bye. Bye.